We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Tell me if you've heard this one before. You're in the future, and basically, robots have personalities. (laughs) But... They don't want to kill you this time. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) So let me start off saying that the last letter by Fritz Leber is absolutely hysterical, and it is super fun to read. (laughs) And kind of feels super true, like we're going in that direction, right? It feels like he was writing the future. (laughs) Yeah, I I love it when sci-fi writers just nail the future. You're like, wow, they're so smart. Like, like this story, a lot of like Ray Bradbury stories, like you read them and you're just like, oh my gosh, could this guy read the tarot cards or what? Yeah, well, I love like right in the very beginning of the story, the the, the one of the main characters says, uh, "No code. The return address is handwritten." And like, <laughs> great Scott. And they yeah, they use great Scots, but it's kind of true. And I I love how they're able to predict the future sometimes because handwriting is a way of the past. And I hear people all the time. Well, my back in my day, we had to learn cursive. And the kids were like, what's cursive? I don't know what cursive is. And it, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever tried to read like cursive Cyrillic, like Russian, like the writing system, it's just, it no. just looks like someone scribbled on a page. Like, it's like, how can anyone discern that? <laughs> <laughs> true that, true that. All right. So let's say special thank you to Star, our patron who recommended this to us. This story is awesome. I love this story. And not just because of the fun play and twist on uh, the robots, like just choking on this handwritten letter, but because I think it's got (laughs) something to say. You know what I mean? Like, like when the gray psychologist comes in, it's like, all right, we're calling in the humans. I was like, (laughs) well, well, there's something to this. Like the, I thought there'd be something to the colors, but I never got anything with the colors. Did you? No, I was trying to also so hard because I knew I knew it was like, oh, Una's going to have something about the colors and I don't want to look stupid. So I was like looking at all the colors like, oh, I'm going to be such a disappointment. (laughs) You know, I I thought there'd be something with the colors, too. I couldn't figure it out. Let us know in the comments down below if you had something. But it's it's that handoff to the humans when it's really starts the world building where you're just like, oh, what what happened with the humans? What's new, new New York? Like. Like what's, why can't people write? Like what, why are they in hives? Like you're wondering why did society progress the way that it is, right? Like how did everything become the same? Why are we hive minded? Why are we discouraging individual thought? I think the answer itself is inside of the story. And it's right when uh, Crumbine is talking to Pot Shelter and he says, communication is a dangerous business, Pot Shelter, especially at the personal level. With you and me, it's all right because we know what we're doing. And I think that's what 
that kind of the maybe the whole point of the story is is that that interpersonal connectivity is is dangerous because it's what's powerful it's what it's it's love it's that attraction and the robots have said no nah, human beings shouldn't have that anymore it, it should be just you're in these you know hives to to basically procreate but humans can't handle anymore because it makes you dangerous Mm. Now, I have a very specific interpretation, but I'm going to reserve it to the end because I want to go through your interpretation here. Okay. So, so do you view the robots as having, like, who built these robots? Were these created by man, I assume? I think so. Or I think that it could be alluded to that the robots created other robots. That, that could be the case. We don't really know. It's never specified in the story who created these robots or who is in repairing them because when the waste paper basket dies, they don't repair it. They just leave it dead. Would you say there's – it's obviously a process that this stuff goes through. Would you say there's a hierarchy of, okay, pink waste basket dies, so it gets kicked up to this this robot that investigates, that gets kicked up to this, eventually to the gray psychiatrist robot. And when the gay, gray psychiatrist robot, it kicks it up to the humans to start to figure it out, right? Like, would you say there's clearly a class approach to how these this society is structured? Oh, for sure. So I think that, uh, like, Crumbine and Pot Shelter are high, the highest humans, and then all of the robots are in between at different rankings. And then the hive humans are at the very, very bottom. And then they have the hive mother, who might be a little bit higher ranked than them. But definitely this class divide here. So why is first class male restricted to advertisements? Oh, I don't know. I was trying to figure out what the advertisement angle was of like, oh, we got to be careful in the future that we're like going to sell ourselves or we're going to be bought. Uh, I, I think that labor was very scared of maybe big corporations or something. And that's what he was going for this, uh, uh, you know, advertisement angle. Okay. Why did the humans, and these are just questions, right? I'm not saying I know the answers to these. <laughs> Right. Why did the humans take trank pills? Like they kept just taking them and they didn't want to mix tranquilizers. But every time they started to like get overworked, they started taking these tranks. What's up with that? That comes back to the same thing, I think, of communication, that if you have communication uh, on a personal level, like a handwritten letter, it it, it can be very, very um, emotional. Um, it, it can be, you know, connectivity between people. I think that the drugs are meant to dull us of, you know, having those human connections. And it's very hysterical how, you know, he's like, oh, we can't mix these drugs because, you know, it could have these side effects. And he's like, well, maybe try this one. He's like, have one of those orange ones. That one's really good for you. Uh, but I think it was kind of early ideas of that, you know, we're as a species, we're addicted to certain things, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or TV or caffeine or coffee or whatever, uh, that there will always be some type of thing that we will try to nullify the way that we feel uh, to try to control our emotions because so for some reason we're supposed to control them everything in this story is kind of controlled right the robots are controlling mm -hmm. things crumbine mm -hmm. is trying to control things it's all about control do those advertisements like you talked about you talked about a lot of things just now but one of the things that kind of like struck a, a, a chord with me is you're talking about the different things people do, like let's Starbucks, right? Whole bunch of people going out and getting Starbucks. Does 
do those make us unique? Do those make us the same? Like, what is what does it mean when we're all trying to be unique with with like Apple phones? Even like like remember like their original culture was all about how you could express yourself, but literally it's a device that made everything the same kind of in a sense too. Like, what what are your thoughts on advertisements in relation to expression of individuality? I the whole time you talk about all I could picture is combine when he grabs the two phones and puts one up to each side of his head. <laughs> oh, that's funny part of the story. Uh, I think that I think that I think that individuality can be expressed by having the same as someone else, but I think that advertising isn't necessarily. Uh, supposed to be like, ah, we got you and now you can't be yourself because I can wear the same shirt but still have my own personality because my my clothes or my phone or my coffee that I drink, uh, that doesn't define me as a person. And I think that if it, you, you let it define you as a person, uh, then, then, then yes, the advertisement has one. And maybe that's in this story, the advertisement has one and that's the the... That, that's what he's trying to say is, hey, you know, this is a cautionary tale of we probably shouldn't let this happen and give them so much power over us. Or wh- why do we make it so important in our lives? You keep saying power. And I'm wondering, I get that angle, but I wonder, this story is so much about suppression. Like they take the tranks to not have wild out their individualistic thoughts, right? We got to live in the high mind in New New York. And if if someone does something as diabolical as writing a handwritten letter, like we got to we got to automate that, have it go through the machine process, make things more the same, like is it really power? Is it suppression? Is it is it what is it that's dangerous about individual unique expression or thought? It can corrupt uh, other people maybe because if he wrote this one letter, then Someone else may have written a letter, and that can break down the system as a whole. So the system eventually brings in our boy, Richard Rowe, right? Diabolical. <laughs> <laughs> they, they throw him out. Richard Rowe, what do you got to say for yourself? And he wanted to express himself to this girl, right? Like he stepped outside of the, the boundaries of society when he fell in love. Love was his way to finally express himself to Jane Doe. <laughs> Uh, literally they spelled though. Doe interestingly too, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like Doe. I didn't get that. Was there something there that I missed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Because oh. <laughs> I thought um, D O E is normally how we do Jane Doe nowadays. So I correct. guess I missed that part. Correct. But well, it's funny though because because it all leads down to this: what is Jane Doe? Jane Doe is the anonymous name we give everyone when we can't identify you. Right. It's, it's yes. all about that genericness, that suppression of individuality. And here comes Richard Rowe, who's going outside that boundary with his diabolical handwritten letters to express himself. What? So you may not know this, but my dad's name is Richard. Don't ever call him Richard. He's offended. By <laughs> Richard. He's, he's seriously offended by that. You got to call him Dick. He goes by Dick. <laughs> so so these two, when you put them together, what are their names? Dick Jane, Dick Doe, Dick and, Dick and Jane, Dick and Jane. Do you oh, know what Dick and Jane okay. is? I mean, 
Is there a song? Is it a movie? Oh, you don't here. know what Dick and Jane is. Oh. And there's a movie, right? With no, Jim Carrey? dude, Dick and Jane was huge. My dad used to tell me about these all the time. I think he had a couple books too he even showed me. Don't you ever see, remember oh. like the, look at Dick. Dick sees Jane run. Run, Jane, run. Like like that old oh, joke. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, yes, 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 yes. So I think it was like 30s, 40s, up through even like the 70s. Like like it was this, this book series about these kids that was meant to be educational, teaching people things. But it was like so suburban. Everybody was the same. <laughs> they had this, this cat named like, was it Puff? They had a dog named like Curl. It was something really generic like that, but two white parents, two white kids uh, living in the suburbs and everything was white just very fence. static. Yeah. And very eventually, stale. so it became very famous as a form of, uh, of when, when, you know, if you look at when it got kind of canceled, like I think it was like in the seventies was civil rights. Y you had a lot of discussions of diversity. Disco. Of, of, yeah. Yeah. Representation expression, the, the rejection of formalism and the rejection of structure, which is everything Dick and Jane came to represent in terms of also like that grammatical way of how you taught people to think, how you taught people to read, uh, it, it it got kind of thrown out from schools and it's not used anymore because of all the criticism that came that it forced conformity, that it forced this one way of thinking and one way of viewing the world when, hey, two parents with, with two kids is, is, is not all the suburbs are. It's not the entire of America. And America rebelled against this, like you said, with the 70s and free love movements, not just against Dick and Jane, don't get me wrong, but it's that mentality. <laughs> Of, of everything being the same and not having any expression of individuality. And for him just to kind of like sneakily just, just sprinkle that in there at the end with the two character names. I absolutely loved. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I'm glad that I learned that. That's why I love doing these discussions and talking. I guess the conformity comes to the thing about Dick and Jane is they both have hair and the other two humans, they don't. So you don't conform that way. All right, that makes a lot more sense. I, a lot more of the pieces are coming together. I, I, so I got about half of the story, uh, regardless of whether you get pieces of it or not. It's absolutely hilarious, and you should definitely read it. So thank you again, Star, for uh, bringing this to our attention and picking this for our, our Patreon read for July. It was awesome. It was a good time. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, we appreciate you guys spending time with us today. My name has been Una. Peace.